Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. Before we get into the business at hand, it is so good to see each of you. I have tried to, to those of you watching on TV, it looks like I'm wiggling up here. I'm trying to look around the pulpit just to see you all. It is so good to have you back here in the church and to be in worship with you today. Our scripture lesson comes from uh, Matthew's gospel from the 22nd chapter, verses 34 to 40. Hear with me now the words of the Lord. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the laws and the prophets hang on these two commandments. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, as we gather here at the beginning of the week to worship and to praise you, to hear your word read and proclaimed, we seek the guidance of your wisdom. We seek the urging of your spirit. And so as we listen intently, may we have ears that are quick to listen and hearts that are quick to pay attention so that we have lives that reflect that we are not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray. Amen. I have a couple of colleagues that uh, I'm really good friends with. We really enjoy each other's company. They're the kinds of friends that would do anything for you. They would give you the shirt off of their back if you asked them. They would get in the car and drive 500 miles across the state at the drop of a hat just because you asked them to. So we enjoy each other's company. We pick and we carry on with each other. We have a lot of fun. And there's several years ago, In one of these such times of bantering back and forth with each other, one of us threw a mock insult at the other. And the one that received the insult feigned this look of pain and suffering. And the one that had thrown it said, oh, come on, man, you know that I love you. And these were his words back. I know love and that ain't it. And we all died cackling after that because it was surely all done in jest. But those words have rung in my ears, I know love and that ain't it. We use the word love a lot, maybe sometimes too casually in our world. We share it and I've been thinking about it. We use it, but how are we using it? Are we using it more as a noun or truly as an active verb? Today's text, Jesus is facing the fourth of his tests and trials by the Pharisees. I mean, they're playing this game, sort of, let's see if we can trip Jesus up. Now, they're not real bright. I mean, they're students of the law, they know everything there's about it, but these are not real bright guys, right? 
I mean, they sit there, they're messing with the Son of God on religious matters. I mean, you're not going to win this battle. Jesus is the one that turned water into wine, and they think that he can't answer a simple question. So, of course, they try this, and they, they get gold stars for, you know, effort. Because this time they went to the one subject matter they knew best. They went to the law. They went to the Jewish law, which at that time there were 613 laws that they were following. There were about 365 of them that were thou shalt nots, and about 248 of them were thou shouldst. So they thought they could trip him up. Like there's 613 laws. Jesus picked the best one. Now the Bible doesn't say it. It just simply says Jesus replied. But I sometimes think about Jesus and I think about sort of how our mannerisms are. Did Jesus just sort of smile at him? And in the back of his mind, I'm going, is this the best you've got? But instead, what he does is he says to them, here's how it goes, guys. The greatest and the first one comes from Deuteronomy 6, 5. Love the God with all your heart, all your might, and all your soul. And then he says, and the other one is closely related to it. It comes out of Leviticus 19:18. Love your neighbor as yourself. But then here's the clincher. All the laws, all 613 of those that you're trying to trip me up on and any others that you might want to make up, all of those hang on these two. This is the keystone of it all. It's about a relationship with God and a relationship with your brother and sister, with each other, with all the God's children around the world. And so right here in Matthew 37 to 40, you see that these two laws are inextricably linked together. Not as a both and, or they're inextricably linked together as a both and, not as an either or proposition. And at one moment, Jesus sums it up as a both and. And so the challenge becomes for them, but more importantly for you and for me, for us to live this law, to treat it as a verb, to act upon it. We can no longer sit idly by in life with sort of a warm feeling about love as like an emotion, as if our honey smiled at us and we're thinking about our favorite meal and how wonderful it makes us feel. No, instead, Jesus' words described how we are to act how we are to speak, how we are to show love to the whole world. It's very important there that he uses the word all three times in this thing, to love, the, to love your God with all your heart, all your might, all your soul. It's to emphasize the totality of our commitment to this commandment. The totality of our commitment to our faith, that this is not just an emotion, but it's an action it's something that we are supposed to be doing. Love becomes a commandment. Love is goodwill in action. Love is transformative to the world. Now make no mistake about it. The Pharisees, they kind of poked the bear on this one. They went for it. They thought they could trip him up in the minutia because of the 613. But the reality is Jesus made it very clear for us all to hear, clear as a bell. No longer can we debate the, the virtues of the laws using our favorite judicial or theological or personal or philosophical point of view. Instead, Jesus was clear. We are to love God with all of our heart, all of our might, and all of our soul, and we are to love our neighbor. There's an and in there. Very clear. 
I think about this idea of clarity. Clarity is so important in our world. Sometimes we like to live in a land of ambiguity, but clarity makes things real. I had this job once where we opened the doors at nine for clients and phone calls and everything. And every day at the end of work, I would get my stuff ready for the next day. And so I would come to work about 8.50 because I knew all I had to do was turn the lights, fire up the computer, hang my coat up, and I was ready for business. And I noticed that some of my other co-workers was there, were already there, but I figured that they'd come in a little earlier than me, just hadn't done the prep work the day before. I'd been there two weeks and my boss called me into his office and he said, shut the door, which by the way, that's never a good way to start your day. Um, and he calls me in and he says, why are you always late to work? And I said, what do you mean? And he said, well, you always come in about 8.50. Have you not noticed that the rest of us are here? And I said, well, I figured that we didn't open the doors till nine. I had my stuff ready. I didn't need to be. He says, well, did no one tell you this should be the key right here. Did no one tell you that we're expected to be here at 8.30, no matter what? Now, I am a rule follower to the nth degree. I was mortified. I mean, I probably turned as beet red as, you know, the centenary red color is. I just turned that red immediately. Because being on time is very important to me. Following the rules is very important to me. And disappointing others is really bad for me. And I just don't like to do it. So all of a sudden, very clear. Tomorrow morning or the next day, I was there at what time? 8.29. Why? To prove a point that I can get to work on time. Clarity is clear. It makes sense. It defines where we start from and how we work forward. And so Jesus does that. The Pharisees, the disciples, you and me, we now know what we are to do, how to get down to work. We are to love all of God's people. We are to love God with all of our heart. That's what we're supposed to do. But love is more than just this commandment. It's also about what we do with it. Dr. Gary Chapman wrote a book a couple of years ago on love languages, how to help couples understand how each of them perceives and receives and understands love within their relationship. Things like spending time with each other or gifts or affirmation, that sort of thing. He talks about love languages. Well, if you've read his work, then you know in reading it that maybe we could look at God's love language in really two areas. One, quality time, how much time we spend with God studying the word and praying in a relationship. But more importantly, it's in acts of service. See, God's love language is how we express that love to the world. How we show the world love is how we show God how much we love God how much we love each other. And so doing for God is doing good for all of God's children. It's when we do that with this idea of clarity of what to do and then how to do it that we begin to realize how we live our lives. Begin, what it means is we begin thinking about how we interact with each other. Thinking of each other's well-being first and foremost others above ourselves. It's not about me and mine, but it's about you and me as a we, about us as a community, as the children of God all around the world. And see, when we act this way, when we have that clarity of purpose, that understanding of what we're to do, when we act this way, we begin to see the transformative power of God's love shed for the world. 
the transformative power of what love can do in the lives of each other. Her name was Pearl, and the team got off the bus one day out of the church van, and they were meeting her and her family for the first time to do work on her house. She was a very shy 10-year-old, sort of hid in the corner looking around behind the door, and just as ever I was about to get in the door, back in the van to go back to the center to get ready for work the next day, she said, hey, do y'all want to see me do a cartwheel? And the kids said, sure. Pearl goes running across the yard, throws herself forward to a cartwheel, and completely bombs it. I mean, face plants across the grass and everything. She got up and she says, I think I can do this. She tried three more times before she finally nailed it, and by nailed it, it was still awkward looking. But the kids cheered for her. And her face lit up. It glowed like she'd been in the sun all day. The next day came and Pearl hid in the back of the house while the youth worked on the front porch. Worked on tearing the front porch off the house to build a new sturdier one. By day two, she was sitting there in the door jam talking to them. Talking about boy bands and kittens and all the things that teenagers and 10-year-olds talk about. By day three, she was in the thick of it with them, having snack time and eating a sandwich that someone else had made for her and had brought along just in case she wanted to have lunch with the kids. On the fourth day, they had a picnic at the lake and invited Pearl's family to come along, and the mom and the dad came, and Pearl as well, and the kids wanted to go swimming in the lake, and Pearl said, can I go too, Mama? And her mom said, just go. And sitting in the lake that afternoon, flipping around and splashing and having fun, she looked up at one of the adults and she said, no one has ever done this for us. And the kid said, what do you mean? She says, no one has ever brought me to the lake to swim. The lake was two miles from their house. But no one had taken an interest in Pearl's life enough to think that she mattered to let her know that she counted, to listen to her talking about her kittens or her boy bands or whatever it is that they talked about that week. It didn't matter about the porch. That was the icing on the cake, the real gift. The real transformation in Pearl's life happened that someone looked at her and took the time to say, you matter. You matter. And we care about you. By the end of the week, this shy little girl who almost didn't come out of the house the first night wouldn't go back in the house until the van went over the hill and down in the valley. This shy little girl wrote notes back and forth for almost a year to the teenagers that she had met. The difference that they had made in her life in one week and five days was amazing. The transformative power that happened in Pearl's life was all because four teenagers said, we love you by their actions, said, we love you by the way they listened to her, by the way they cared for her, by the way they invited her into their conversation, by the way, the way they made sure that she counted. So my brothers and sisters, as we gather for worship 
And as we go out into the world tomorrow to start a new week, we know what to do. We know how to do it and we know who to serve. That message is very clear in today's text. That's our calling and our purpose to love God and to love our neighbor. You see, that's what we do here at Centenary. We do those things and we're going to keep doing them. And we will continue to seek deeper and more involved ways to do that. More holistic ways to love God, but more holistic ways to love the world so that we may make a difference. What I ask of you is to join with me this month. Join with me in prayer. Join with me in thinking about the ways that you give of your time, of your talent, of your treasure, the ways that you might serve to discover how that we may deepen our love for God and deepen our love for neighbor. So that when we show the world that love, they look at us and they say, I know love. And that's it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.